um, but uh, reasons why we doubt God's love and how to deal with that. Uh, we've been thinking through um, resolutions 25 and 26 uh, from Jonathan Edwards, where he basically is saying that um, if there's anything that causes us to doubt God's love for us, then we should identify what that is and we should um, combat it. We should refute it. We should attack it biblically and convince ourselves of the truth of God's word. And that's 25. 26 is more on the idea of salvation, the assurance of salvation. If there's anything that causes me to lack assurance of salvation, then again, I need to kind of identify what that is, and then I need to uh, refute it biblically or, or, or combat it biblically so that I'm, I'm walking in the truth and thinking of the truth of God's word. And, and again, the reason why I'm, I'm doing this and, and thinking through this and taking some time on this is because I think it is something that many Christians uh, struggle with and deal with. And what happens is when we doubt God's love, so this is not an exercise in, in self-help or making us uh, feel better about ourselves or boosting our self-esteem to think, oh, God loves me, so I'm just this, this great person. I'm just wonderful, and God treasures me. You know, making us think more highly of ourselves than we should. The reason for going through this is because when we doubt God's love, it undermines uh, our faithfulness. It detracts us from faithfulness. It pulls us away from living as we should and serving as we should. In fact, one of the things that's coming up this Sunday from Joshua 24 is Joshua is exhorting the people to remember of God's grace and God's love and God's kindness to them as motivation, as fuel for them to serve the Lord, to be faithful to the Lord. And by short-circuiting that understanding of knowing God's love for us, it hinders us from serving the Lord as we should. And that's why Joshua takes this, makes these great pains to kind of go through this lengthy history of reminding Israel of God's love for her as motivation so that she will serve the Lord. And so the same idea here is, is true for us. For us, If we doubt the Lord's love, it short-circuits our obedience to Him. It short-circuits our faithfulness to Him. It keeps us from serving the Lord. But when we are convinced of God's love and we are overwhelmed by God's love for us, that is fuel for the fire of obedience fuel for the fire of serving the Lord as we should, okay? So we've been working through, actually last week only did one, working through, but my idea is we'll work through what are the things that cause us to doubt God's love, and then we'll come back, circle back around and and, and think through about how we can attack that or refute that biblically. We did one last week. I have six total that I come up with. Talk about one last week. Does anybody happen to remember what it was? What What is one thing that, the one thing we talked about last week that causes us to doubt God's love? Sin, sinfulness, right? The Bible links love and obedience together, right? If we love the Lord, we will obey him, right? And so if we are convinced of God's love, it will lead us to obedience. It will lead us to that faithfulness. If we, again, are not convinced of that, if we're sinning against the Lord, right, it causes us to doubt the fact that that God loves us because we're not walking in step with him. Our disobedience is having a reverse effect. Right? It's causing us not to be confirmed and assured of God's love, and that, again, continues to undermine our lack of faithfulness uh, to him. So we talked last week a little, a little bit about uh, the fact that when we uh, are sinning against God, or when we li- are living in sin or practicing sin, it causes us to doubt God's love. And, of course, the, the remedy to that, the refutation of that is, well, we need to obey. Not that we earn God's love by obedience, but when we are convinced of God's love, we will walk step in step with him. All right, tonight I want to try to get through at least two more. 
So if you're taking notes from last week, we doubt God's love because uh, we continue to, to sin. We continue to practice sin. Number, this would be number two. We doubt God's love because we are deceived by the devil's lies. We doubt God's love because we are deceived by the devil's lies. The devil is a liar and a deceiver. Okay? So what he would uh, want to cultivate in us is not thinking about the truth. He wants to deceive us into thinking things that are untrue, right? He lies to us so that we will not be confirmed in the truth and, and walk in the truth. John eight forty four says, this is Jesus speaking to uh, the Jews who believed in him. It says that you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So nothing uh, from Satan None of, none of Satan's dealings in our lives is going to encourage us, and the truth is going to be just the opposite. Revelation 12.9 says that the devil deceives the whole world. 2 Corinthians 11.3, Paul says, But I am afraid, as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So Satan deceives us with his cunning. He lies to us, and the purpose of that is to lead us astray from sincere and pure devotion to Christ, to cause us to walk out of step with Christ. So by doubting God's love, it's meant he's intending to undermine our faithfulness. All right? 1 John 5.19, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So these, this idea that Satan has this grip over our world to deceive the world, even to deceive believers, again, seeking to undermine the truth so that we will not walk in it. Genesis 3 tells us that the devil deceived Eve so that she ate the fruit that God had forbidden. So Satan aims to indoctrinate us with his lies so that we no longer believe the truth and walk in it. Again, undermining, doubting God's love undermines our walk, our faithfulness, our willingness to serve the Lord. Okay, so the effect of his lies and deception is destructive. And Peter speaks about this in 1 Peter 5.8 where he says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Satan is not interested at all in your faithfulness. And whatever he can do to detract you from that, he will do. Okay? So the devil undermines our belief about God's love for us to turn us away from God and detract us from faithfulness, the faithfulness that God requires. And then, of course, uses uh, God desires to use us to accomplish his will in the world. But if if that's being undermined by the, by the devil's lies, then we won't be doing God's will. God's purposes are not going to be accomplished in the world through us. All right, so we doubt God's love because we are deceived by the devil's lies. That's another possibility. All right, third possibility. We doubt God's love because we believe worldly philosophies that are not grounded in the truth. So these two things are kind of linked together. The world is the present world system, right? The, the pattern of the world in which it thinks apart from God, thinks away from God, this pattern of rebellion against God that's been going on since the very beginning. The world is under Satan's deception. And so the world is a, uh, a, a tool, a mouthpiece, to uh, propagate Satan's lies and deception uh, to the world and to uh, his people. The world disbelieves the truth about God and parrots the lies and deception of the devil to lead everyone astray, to lead everyone living in the world astray. 
Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, kind of, again, kind of links these ideas together, right? The first three, our sinfulness, uh, the devil's lies, and then the world's um, philosophies that are not grounded in the truth, the world's influence over our lives. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And then Colossians 2.8, Paul is exhorting us, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So the world, again, is, is deceptive. They're articulating, populating this, these worldly philosophies, these empty philosophies, these vain philosophies that are meant to distract us and detract us from Christ's ways. They're not according to Christ. They want to pull us away from our faithfulness. The world is peddling lies like the devil. And so those, who, those lies undermine the truth that God has revealed to us about himself, about his character, and about our redemptive work. And you can think about this. We don't have to go through all of the philosophies, but just think about various philosophies that the world upholds and magnifies and says, this is good for you to believe, right? Things like Gnosticism, asceticism, Marxism, humanism, existentialism, pragmatism, naturalism. All of these are worldly philosophies that are hollow, that are empty, that are deceitful, that seek to undermine the truth that we're to believe about God and his character and his redemptive work. For example, Gnosticism. Just think about this in terms of the, the love of God. For Gnosticism, the love of God is irrelevant. What you need is, is the right knowledge. You need the right... In fact, in, in the ancient Gnosticism, it was more um, secret knowledge. If you got the right kind of knowledge, then you could know God and have a relationship, not even a relationship with God. You could know God and you could attain uh, favor with God and you could receive heavenly rewards from, from God. Uh, asceticism says... If I do the right things, if I deny my, 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 ur- my urges, if I deny the passions of my body, that if I, if I uh, follow a, a very legalistic and, and ritualistic way of life, then I can somehow earn God's favor and I can be acceptable to God. The love of God is irrelevant in asceticism. Existentialism basically says there is no God to love you in the first place. <laughs> You're on your own. It shouldn't surprise us that many existentialists end up committing suicide because what's the purpose and meaning of life? There is no God who loves me. So what am I even here for? All these different philosophies undermine our belief in God's love for us and therefore, once again, detract us from God's ways. When we believe the tenets of worldly systems, worldly philosophies, instead of believing God's revealed word, then we will doubt God's love for us. And again, that has repercussions for our faith and obedience to God. So continuing to practice sin, the deceitfulness, the deception, lies of the devil, and the deceitfulness of worldly philosophies, all of these three are things that can potentially cause us to doubt God's love for us to negative effects. And what we must do to remedy that is believe the truth of God's word. We must reject these things. We must put them away, put our sinfulness away. We must not listen to the lies of the devil. We must not listen to the lies and philosophies of the world. We must 
continue to be encouraged and reminded of God's word, the truth of God's word, that he indeed loves us. And let that be the fuel for our lives that will lead us in greater and greater faithfulness. Let's just take a moment to pray. And, um, and then we're going to sing a song that encourages us about our love and acceptance from God. And then we'll, we'll have our time of prayer. Lord, we are so thankful that you do love us. Your word tells us that you are love. And it's not an abstract thing, Lord. It's something that you reveal. It's something that you show. It's something that you demonstrate. That you created us, Lord, to be a people who would be objects of your love. That you would care to lavish your love upon us. Not because we deserve it, but because it is who you are. That the God who is love must love. It must be demonstrated and, and projected outside of himself that it is self-giving and that it is redemptive. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming us and bringing us into a relationship with you rooted in, in your love. Lord, may we always remember that what you've done for us in, in Christ, what you've done for us in our salvation, is all the product of your love. It's the purpose of redemption, to cast your love upon us. I pray, Lord, that your people tonight would um, be affirmed in the fact that you do love them, that you've manifested that love to us most fully and completely in your Son, Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. And that as we struggle, Lord, with that reality, that we would be convinced of the truth of your word, that you would indeed help us, Lord, to, to walk in obedience to you, that we would not continue to practice sin that would keep us, Lord, from walking in your love and applying your love and, and being vessels of your love in our world. pray that you'd help us to stand strong against the devil. He is indeed a roaring lion seeking to devour us, Lord, but we understand you've given to us power, and that power in part comes to us because you indeed love us. And I pray we'd be confirmed in that, that we would walk in the truthfulness of that. And I pray also, Lord, that you would help us to stand strong against the worldly philosophies that would seek to uh, deceive us as well. Lord, I pray that as our world um, promotes and exalts certain ways of thinking, that you would help us to remember, Lord, that they are all empty and hollow and, and vain in their substance, that there is no room for you, there is no room for your gospel. And Lord, that we would be people of, of the book, we would be people who would be governed by your truth, who would walk in, in your way, Lord. It's not, it's not a philosophy. There is a worldview. There is a body of truth. But the Christian life is predicated on a relationship you've given to us in Jesus Christ. And I pray you'd help us to walk in that. So may your people be established, Lord. May they be established by your love. And I pray because they are convinced of your love tonight, Lord, that they would walk the rest of this week in that love. That they would walk in faithfulness, Lord. You would use them. May they serve you, Lord. And may, may through their service, Lord, may you accomplish your purposes in them. We love you, Lord, and we thank you again for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.